you. It's good to be with you again on this July 4th weekend-ish that it is. I don't know that there will be any fireworks this morning, but we'll join in together. Lord, we thank you that you are present. Thank you as we've sung that your spirit is with us. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would you take your word and apply it to each of our lives. Mine first. Lord, bring it into our hearts. Give us a perspective that comes from you to see life the way you see it. We thank you in Jesus' name. I was speaking to a woman this week who, uh, whose boyfriend understands she's 69 and he's 92. But they're going together as much as that happens. And, uh, you know, he's got COPD pretty badly. And so she was all in tears, uh, concerned about what was going to happen to her boyfriend. And she's got lots of issues. But she was saying, why is God punishing me? You know, I've got this boyfriend. You know, we've been enjoying each other. And now it seems like he's near the end. Why is God punishing me? Sometimes we have our own perspectives on what happens in our lives. You know, many of you know that I ride a motorcycle. Came up on it today. It started this morning. Hallelujah. But it doesn't always start. Sometimes I'll go somewhere and uh, do my thing and get ready to come home. And it doesn't start. And then I have to take the battery out and somehow get home, and then go back again after it's charged up and bring it home. Very inconvenient, not to mention aggravating and causing significant amount of holy anger. Certainly, you know, the, those kind of interruptions that come into our lives like that, just, they just can cause all sorts of angst. And when we look at it, when I look at that, I say, God, this doesn't make sense. The other day, we were, my wife and I got on the bike. We got to the intersection, which is a half a block away. For some reason, the bike stopped. Okay, not, big, not that big of a deal. You just start it up again, right? Wrong. Not to mention that the police pulled up beside me and said, hey, what's going on? Tried to start? Nothing, nothing. I mean, it, it would turn over, but it wouldn't start. We were actually on our way to church. So we had to park it there, jump on the train. Of course, we were late. Doesn't make sense to me. A lot of the things that happen in our lives that, that come that are unplanned, A, don't make sense, and B, are very aggravating and very frustrating. And I don't know if this is true for you, but I know for me, when I am interrupted, my plans don't work the way that I plan. I do everything that I can to deal with the interruption, get it out of the way so I can carry on with my plan. All sorts of things interrupt us, don't they? Phone call that comes at the wrong time, a text that irritates us, mom that says you've got to do this when you plan to do that, children that come in and say, hey, you know, create some kind of drama when you're just ready to go out and do something. I'm going to have my first granddaughter in October. It just reminds me that when we had children, it seems like just when you're getting ready to go somewhere, uh, the babies need to be changed. Interruptions. The other day, uh, actually about a month ago now, I was near the end of my day, getting ready to go home. 
And don't you know, I get this text, or not this text, this page saying, Pastor Redick, up there's somebody out front here for you. So I go up there, and don't you know, there's this guy that I've known in my past. It was a difficult parting in the past. It's a long story. But suddenly he showed up in my life again. A, I didn't want to see him. B, it was the wrong time of day. C, he shouldn't even be there because I got other things to do there. This is not the place for him to come. And then he came. Well, being a good Christian, of course, I had brought him into my office and we talked for a little while. Fortunately, I had to go to a meeting so I could have a boundary. But all I wanted to do was really get this guy out of my office and move on with life. Because what he had to deal with was significant and had to do with our past. Interruptions. Do you get them? What do you do with them? How do you think about them? I think the Bible can help us. Peter had interruptions in his life. He had this interruption. We want to look at it. And maybe it gives us some perspective of what is God doing anyway in the midst. And I'll I'll admit up front, not all interruptions come from God. The enemy interrupts us too. And so there is a requirement of us discerning, God, are you doing something here? Or is the enemy doing something here? But that too, we can learn from Peter. So I'd like to look at this together with you. It's pretty familiar. We know about the story where Peter had this, this trance. You know, he's hungry. He's up praying. And don't you know, Peter is a good Jew. Just because he became a Christian, whatever that meant in those days, it meant something different than it means in these days in terms of our form and what we do. It meant that they believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but it doesn't mean that they came to a church like this and had a service like this. He just carried on with the same, most of the same things that Jews did. Good Jews did certain things. They prayed at certain times of the day. Peter did that. He was doing that. Other things Jews, good Jews did. Peter was a good Jew. He would only eat kosher food. He would only eat food blessed by, well, I think in those days. There, you would only eat those foods. You know, if you read in the Old Testament, you can eat this, but you can't eat that. You can eat pigs. Or you can't eat pigs, but you can eat. He would, that's how he would eat. Only certain foods. Peter was a good Jew. He wouldn't be going into any old Gentile's home. He wouldn't go into your home or my home. He wouldn't bring them into your home. You don't do that as a Jewish person. You want to stay pure. This is Peter. He is being faithful to God, faithful to the Jesus that he's known, and he he has a strong ministry. Don't you? He's one of the first preachers. And thousands of people were coming to believe in Jesus as the Messiah, as the Christ, as the Savior of the world. They were joining this movement. Peter wasn't building a church, but if he was, he'd have a large church. He would be a well-known pastor. He would be somebody that would, people would be asking to speak at their conferences. Because good things were happening. You don't want to mess that up. You don't mess up a good thing, right? So this is Peter. He's hungry. And he's... he's Praying, and I don't know if he fell asleep or what. He, you know, sometimes when you pray, you know, you suddenly wake up and realize you haven't been praying, or you pray and you get real hungry and it's hard to concentrate. This is something's going on. Peter is praying, but now he gets this trance, 
and he sees this food coming down, and he hears this thing saying, God, it seems, saying, eat. And if I'm in Peter's mind, I'm thinking he's saying, no, this does not make sense. I am a good Jew. You don't do this kind of thing. This is not the appropriate way to respond. I mean, this has got to be from the enemy. This has got to be from Satan himself trying to distract me, trying to get me to do something that a good Jew would not do. And by the way, if I do that, what if my other Jewish friends find out? Suddenly now I'm an impure Jew. It could, it could mess up my ministry. It could mess up my, my reputation. It could mess up a lot of things for me. I don't do that. I'm faithful to God. I suspect that some of those things went through Peter's mind. They would have gone through my mind. Why would this? No, no. No, no. And don't you know most of the time, I mean, this is a major interruption for him in his, in his life. It's going to get worse. Don't you know that some things that happen to us, some of the interruptions that come to us are just like this? It doesn't make sense. This is way outside of my, my grid, my, what I would do. What, if I'm a faithful follower of Jesus, I don't do this. I don't go in this direction. I can't follow that. Reminds me of uh, the last, this, this last year. I've had to wrestle a lot with what does it mean what does it mean to be a Protestant conservative fundamental Christian from the Protestant camp and what does it mean to be a Catholic Roman Catholic and how do the two come together or not and do how do I love my Catholic friends, are they Christians? Are they not? What about some of the ways they do things? What about some of the ways I do things? It's really caused a lot of wrestling for me. And in the, middle, in the beginning of this journey, there's a lot of times I just said, no, I can't accept the way the Catholic people do things. It's not appropriate. No, this is, I'm a good Christian. This is how we worship. This is how we think. This is our theology. No, we can't do this. This is, this is all wrong. They're way out, far, they're far from Jesus. I don't know where you stand with that. We're not arguing that today. But I had that response. Sometimes when interruptions come to us, we just automatically, right away say, no, let's get this away from me. This is egg moving me away from my plans, and B, it's just too outside. This is not right. This is just not right. I think Peter's saying, this is not right. No, Lord, I've never eaten this kind of food. I am not going to defile myself. I am faithful to you. Do you know that uh, there's something that Peter doesn't know? And don't you know that oftentimes it's what we don't know that really is the biggest problem for us? Peter doesn't know what this chapter starts with. Let me read you what Luke says in the beginning of this chapter, in the beginning of this event, this story. Now think about Peter. Peter doesn't know what you're about to hear. He just is experiencing this trance. It's kind of just an isolated thing for him. This is what Peter doesn't know. 
Luke says, now there was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion, what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. Get this now. He's a Roman. He's not a Jewish person. He's a Roman, but he, he fears God. He's a religious guy. Somehow he knows God in his way that he knows God. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some man to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He's staying with a tanner named, uh, named Simon. Uh, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who had spoken to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants. And after he had explained everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. God had sent these guys to go get Peter to speak to Cornelius. Peter doesn't know that. Peter does not understand that there's something bigger going on than just his little life. But God is at work doing something much bigger. Don't you know that there's something bigger than your life? There's something bigger than what's going on for you today? There's something bigger than what's happening this week for you? There's something bigger than even what's happening this summer for you? God is doing something much bigger? And that he's inviting you and I into his work, into what he's doing. But we don't have a road map. Peter didn't have a road map. He thought he, he, he thought he had the path. He thought he knew the, under, the path. He thought he knew what he was supposed to do. It's going well. Look, the ministry's happening. Thousands are coming to Christ. They're all Jewish people, but they're coming to Christ. And I'm working in this, and I'm staying faithful, and I'm just going to carry on. He saw the road map. But God's saying, no, I, I'm doing something bigger. What you're, what you're thinking, Peter, is way too small. What you're thinking, Peter, is just, just so, so in-house. It's just in-house because there's a whole lot of other people. There's not just Jewish people in the world. I love all the people in the world. I love these Romans. I love the Germans. I love the Chinese. And I need to get this message out to them. So Peter, I'm about to interrupt your life because I'm doing something bigger. I'm doing something more than what you can see. And listen, friends, for me, I am trying in my heart to be more like Peter. Because, see, when Peter received this, the Bible says he was perplexed. The Bible says he, he was wondering about this. The Bible says that he didn't just dismiss it. He didn't just try to get away from this. He's like, wait how does this fit in my life? How does this fit with going? It seems like God was talking to me, but what God is saying is so totally opposite of what I've believed in my whole life. What is this all about? He's thinking about it. He's trying to pay attention to God. He's trying to fit this all in. Remember those, those uh, 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 pictures? You know, there was numbers, one, two, three, four, five, six, up to whatever, maybe a hundred, and you just start at one. And you put your pen down and you draw the line to two, and to three, to four, and to five. By the time you get to 100 or the end, it's a picture. 
You had no idea what the picture was in the beginning, but once you connect the dots, you begin to see a picture. I think that's what Peter was doing. I think that's what we can start to do in some ways. Let me connect the dots. All right, here's, this, here's this vision. Ah, maybe I just ate some bad pizza. Maybe. Maybe this is the enemy trying to get me off track. Maybe. I don't know. I'm perplexed. I'm thinking, but God, how are you coming to me? I'm trying to pay attention to you, God. If there's just one dot, it doesn't give you a picture. Maybe that's a period saying, forget about this. But is there another dot? Is God doing something else that might be connected to this? And so the Bible says, let me read it here. The Bible says, Now while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be, behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked direction for Simon's house, appeared at the gate. Get that timing? While he's perplexed, while he's thinking about this, while he's wondering, just after he's had this vision and rejected it at first, here these guys come, asking for Simon. That's at least a second dot. Oh, this is strange. This is something different. They're asking for me. They're coming from there. This is a second. Well, that's at least a line. All right, that's a line. Maybe there's something here more than what I have thought in the past. Paying attention to God. Sometimes some of the things that happen to us are God's work because he's going to do something bigger in your life and mine than what it appears right now. Oh, I've got my life charted out for the next two years. Oh yeah, God says? i got some interruptions because I want to do something bigger. I'm inviting you into something bigger than what you can see now. You see, because this is this is God saying, I'm going to expand the, the reach of the gospel. I'm about to reach into the Gentile world. But I need to change your perspective, Peter, and the church, because out of this, after this experience, I'm not going to read this, but in the end, you know the story, in the end, Peter ends up going to Cornelius. He's not sure about this. He goes to Cornelius' house, promotes the gospel, Cornelius and his household believe and the Holy Spirit comes and they speak in tongues. And Peter said, whoa, whoa, that's what happened to us. If it happened to us and it's happening to them, must be God. God's doing something. So it, it certainly changed Peter's life. But then the church leaders found out about it. Whoa. What's happening here? Let's pull this Peter in. Got to find out. So he's got to give the report. And when they hear about what happens, then they say, ah, see, God, he's doing something bigger. See, God was moving. God is doing something. If we fail to take a moment to think about and, and consider what's happening with the interruptions that happen in our lives, we might, we might be turning away from something bigger that God may want to be doing. We can at least ask the question, God, are you doing something here? Start to connect the dots. So calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was called Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you, but get up and go downstairs and accompany them without misgivings, 
for I've sent them myself. Now there's a direct movement. As Peter is paying attention, as he's wondering, as he's thinking about this, as he's connecting the dots, the Spirit of God talks to him. It's so good when the Spirit of God talks to us. As we pay attention, start to connect the dots at some point, God can speak to us and say, okay, do this. Take this step. This is no easy step. The Spirit of God is saying, I have sent these guys, and I'm inviting you to go into Cornelius' house and tell them about me. What's the implication? The potential is his ministry is about to have a major red flag in it, a major potential rift in it, because here's a good Jew. Now he's going to go into a Gentile home. And that's not looked upon real well. That God brings this interruption and he's moving him into something that is bigger, but that will mean a risk for him. Sometimes God calls us through these interruptions and says, there's something I want you to do. There's something bigger for you. Paying attention, listening, ready to respond. I want to I be ready. When God says something, when he moves into a new area, I want to be ready. But my first response is just kind of like, no. Because I know the road map. God says, no, i got a bigger I got a bigger road map. I got a different one. I've got a turns for you because I'm doing something bigger. What you see is fine, but it's not big enough. I'm doing something more and bigger. It's not every interruption. We get a lot of interruptions in life. But can we learn to say, God, are you coming to me in this? Is there something you're saying? Is there something you're doing that's different than I anticipate? We watch for what he's saying. So behold, Peter, Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am the, man, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for which you have come? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, dot, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, dot, was divinely directed by the holy angels, dot, to send you to send for you to come to his house and hear a message. I'm not sure if that was a dot for him. Maybe that was a red flag. Maybe they're like, hmm. But the picture is starting to get clearer. Some of God's doing something. And as a person committed to following Yeshua, the Messiah that he knew, the resurrected Lord, as a person filled with the Holy Spirit, he said, ah, yes, I'm, I want to do what God wants me to do. And it look, this picture is beginning to look like this is where I need to go. So he invited them in and gave them lodging. And on the next day, he got up and went away with them. It's a great story. I think about Job. If you read the first chapter or two of Job, you know, Satan comes in and uh, you know, accuses God of protecting Job. You know, the, you know the story. And in Job, so Job gets into all of this difficulty. Does Job, Job know what he's, what's going on? Job has no concept of the conversation in heaven. But God's doing something bigger. 
God's doing something bigger than just working with Job. He's, he's, he's doing something bigger that affects you and I. The message that comes from Job to us is very significant. God's always about something bigger than you and I. At the end of the book of Acts, you remember how, how Paul, you know, he's, he's done all these missionary journeys, now he's on his last journey, and he, he's in a hurry to get to Jerusalem. But everybody's saying, you know, if you get there, don't go there, because, you know, it's not going to be good for you when you get there. But he says, no, i got to go. I'm willing to die for Jesus. So he goes there, ultimately gets arrested. Now he's in trouble. And at one point, you know, in the midst of this trouble and trials and all the accusations going on, Luke says, as he writes, records this, and the, Spirit, and the Spirit of God, the Lord Jesus came and stood beside Paul and said, just the way that you have been a witness for me here in Jerusalem, you will be a witness for me in Rome. So hang on. This is from me, basically he's saying. This interruption in your life, you're, you know, you, things were going well, now you're arrested. I mean, you were planting all these churches everywhere, now you're arrested, now you're under captivity, you can't just do what you want. This is of me. I am doing something. I am working. When I read the story of Paul at the end of Acts, there's a part of me that just says, if Paul just wouldn't have said it right there, he just would have waited a little longer, he would have been a free man. But he spoke up just too soon. Couldn't he have just waited a little longer? I, wanted, I don't want it to end like this. I want him to be free to carry on doing, doing the ministry that he's doing. But that wasn't God's way of doing it. I look back in my own life, I say, man, if I just would have done it, just this this, this little change right here. Or if I wouldn't have made that decision right there, that little decision, man, that led to this. God takes all those things. God is using all those things because he has a pathway for you and me that's bigger because he's doing something bigger. He's inviting, inviting you and I into the bigger things that he is doing. So those interruptions... The interruptions become valuable intersecting points. They may be from the enemy. They may just be a coincidental kind of thing, if you believe in that. Maybe they're just something you have to get out of the way so you can keep going forward because the enemy wants us to be tripped up. But can we pay attention and ask God, are, is there dots I need to connect? Are you doing something here? I was planning on doing this, this, that, this the summer this way, but I got laid off from my job, or this didn't come through, or what are you doing in this, God? Is there something in here that I need to see that you're doing? Pay attention. It's okay to be perplexed. Be wondering. Look at the bigger picture. Let the Spirit of God say, Here, here's the picture now. Here's how I want you to proceed forward. It doesn't always come clear quickly. But pay attention. Because God, God has a roadmap for you and I that invites you into a, a process that is bigger than what you and I can see. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes, what God is doing. I like to think about how God creates all the intersections in our lives. All those intersections, the people we meet, 
the opportunities that we have. And at the right time, God creates those because of what he's doing. Just like he was doing this with Peter. Peter had no idea what, he was, what God was doing. But God was creating an intersection so that something bigger could happen. Like you, I want to be where God is. Probably, like me, you might be saying, yeah, I want to do that, but when the risk comes, when, when the opportunity comes, sometimes I almost, out of just an assumption, say, no, that can't be from God. Like Peter, no, this can't be from God. It doesn't, it sounds too ungodlike. But could it be? Could it be from God? Could he be doing something so much bigger or different that I, than what I'm used to that it just seems like it couldn't be God? But actually it is. But my problem is I just got too small a box. Peter's box was too small. And so God in his grace and his mercy comes to Peter. How many times did he see the vision? Three times. Peter needed to see it three times. Then he needed to have all the dots. God knows how to get through to you and to me. He knows how to paint the picture. I'm encouraging you this morning together with me. Let's pay attention. Let's not just try to push away the interruptions. Get the person out of the office so I can carry on with my plan. Get this bike started so I can still go where I want to go. Oh God, what are you doing here? Why? Is there something I need to hear and receive in this? So, in a few minutes, I'm going to go out and hope my bike starts to get home. Pretty sure it will. But, you know, one thing I have slowly begun to learn over the last couple of months, where I've, after I've been left hanging quite a few times, I've been slowly learning to to ask the question, okay, God, is there something here? And I'm recognizing, this is one of the things, one of the things that I know God's speaking into my life, I'm recognizing how much I want my way. How much I say, yes, God, I want to do your will, and God's saying, yeah, let's find out. Are you willing to trust me right now? You, can you trust me? When your stupid bike doesn't work and you have to walk a mile, can you? Can you trust that I am doing something good here? Or are you just going to be mad at me? Those are the conversations I've been having with God. I'm sorry, I'm not very mature. It's all over a little old bike. But listen, I, God has to go, he starts with where I am and he's growing me up. So he interrupts me and he's helping me to see something about myself which can lead me to repentance. And I'm learning to say, okay, God, is there something more here? teaching me. Pay attention. God loves you dearly. And he has a, he's inviting you into the bigger things that he is doing for his sake, for his kingdom, the things that we pray, the things that are in our hearts. He will lead you in that. May God give you that grace. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word, for, for Peter. Uh, Lord, thank you that you are at work in our lives to, to move us, to move us into those intersections that are important, to expand our thinking, to reveal yourself, not only to us, but through us, 
to the world around. Lord, you know how to do that. Forgive us for our resistance, for our impatience. Forgive us for just even, not even considering, not even allowing perplexity to enter into our minds to think of that maybe this might be from you. Forgive us for just being so blinded. Open our eyes. Teach us your ways. Help us to see you, to recognize your activity so that we can see what you may be inviting us to. Lord, thank you. Holy Spirit, we just know we need you. Come, make yourself known to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.